Welcome to episode 25 of Back to the Futures, the official podcast of the Futures Collegiate Baseball League, presented by ChangeUp. I'm Matt Satilli. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Owen Shadrick. Owen, it's great to see you today. Our last podcast before the Futures League Championship Series, which starts tonight, Thursday, August 20th at Holman Stadium. Great to see you. How you doing? I'm great, Matt. I'm extremely excited for this championship. These two teams deserve it. They've been playing well all year. Worcester versus Nashua, the Creedon Bowl for the FCBL championship. And speaking of these two teams and the incredible talent they have on their rosters, on this episode, we have Ben Rice, the 2020 Futures League Most Valuable Player. He has been a workhorse and has been a tremendous talent for the Bravehearts in his second summer at Worcester. Leads the league in home runs with 11. He was an awesome interview. We also had a handful of other awards that were announced on Tuesday. Congratulations to all of our award winners. Owen, what can you tell us about some of those recipients? Yeah, Matt, you can't talk about awards without talking about Nick Sinicola. What a year he had. He was dominant on the mound, led the league in strikeouts. Another Rocks pitcher who was dominant out of the bullpen, Joey Walsh. He didn't allow a single run this year. He had three saves. He was incredible out of the Rocks bullpen. Kyle Jackson the manager for the Nashua Silver Knights who are playing in this championship was manager of the year. Congratulations to him. And Mariano Ricciardi was named the commissioner's award winner after he exemplified what it meant to be a futures leaguer year in and year out his fourth year with brave hearts. We had him on this podcast. He's a great guy. All these winners are really deserving of the awards that they got. Yeah. Congratulations once again to all of our award recipients. We've even had a couple of them on the podcast. So Ben Rice, the MVP today, Nick Sinicola, Pitcher of the Year, Sal Fralick, Top Pro Prospect, Mariano Ricciardi, the Commissioner's Award winner, and two recipients of the Adam Keenan Scholarship, Danny Crossan and Mike Caruso. Congratulations to those two, in addition to the other four winners of the Adam Keenan Scholarship. It's an award that means a ton to the league, and that's given to guys who just exemplify what it means to be a great player, the attitude, character, and sportsmanship that Adam Keenan possessed. I know it's one of our favorite awards and one of the most meaningful ones given out year in and year out. Uh, just want to mention the names of the other award winners that were given out on Tuesday. So Ben Malgeri, Defensive Player of the Year from the North Shore Navigators. Reggie Crawford and Ben Kasparius took home top pro pitching prospects. As we mentioned, Sal Fralick from the North Shore Navigators, top pro prospect. So congratulations to all those guys once again. So we hope to see the fans at Holman Stadium this weekend starting tonight. Thursday, August 20th, 7 o'clock p.m., game one of the Futures Collegiate Baseball League Championship Series. Each team already with four titles in franchise history, looking for the record-setting fifth. It is going to be an awesome conclusion to what has been a great summer, and we are so excited to take you through all the action. So without further ado, here's our interview with your MVP, Ben Rice. At this time, we now welcome on a very special guest, on Tuesday, he was announced as the 2020 Futures League MVP. He leads the league in home runs with 11. Last year, he was first team all FCBL, and he has been a major part of the first place team that will be competing for the Futures League title this weekend. It is Ben Rice of the Worcester Bravehearts. Ben, welcome onto the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing today? Doing great. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Well, it's great to talk to you. It's an interview that we've been meaning to conduct for a while now. So once again, thanks for taking some time out of your Wednesday morning to chat. Let's get right into it. So you've had an unbelievable summer. 
talk to us about how you feel you've played and what it meant when you found out that you received the honor of Futures League MVP. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, the, the summer's been an absolute blast. Uh, we got a, a great, great team over in Worcester. Um, awesome management and great ownership as usual. Um, as you said, I was there last year. So I was, I was pumped to get back with them. And uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, was, it was nice to put up some good numbers and stuff, but obviously just more thrilled that we're heading back to the championship. And on release day at Mark's game one of the championship, you guys are back there trying to go for your fifth title. What is the mood around the clubhouse right now? And what do you guys need to do to win title number five? Oh, we're just, we're just laser focused right now. Everybody, everybody's ready to go. We're, uh, we're preparing for it mentally and uh, just getting ready to go. We had, we had a bunch of returners who were there last year. We know how to do it. Some good pitching behind us too. Um, I think we're going to be going with uh, Chidoba game one, Baez game two, and we'll see what we do game three. But those are two guys that we have a lot of faith in. And uh, well, uh, hopefully the offense will back them up. Talk about what it means to have so many guys staying for the entire length of the season. Usually there's a lot of people who will go back to school for the last week, but you guys have almost your entire roster. What does it mean to know that these guys are that committed to staying in it till the end, winning the title and not just getting some at bats or some reps this summer and then going back to school? Yeah, absolutely. And that's something that we always kind of stress is like, and it, we think that's what separates Worcester from a lot of the other programs. Um, I remember talking about it last year, just that like, there's a real difference when it comes to us just because everyone wants to be there the entire summer. And that comes down to like how well we're treated as players, you know, I mean, when, whether it's like just post game meals or uh, how awesome the fans are, you just you all, you're always looking to stay as long as you can in Worcester just because of how fun it is. So it makes you want to win that championship that much, that much more um, and, and stay that deep into the summer and uh, just grind it out with your teammates. Well, you guys are that close to it. It's been a great season so far, and you've been a huge part of your team's success. You lead the league in home runs with 11. You guys are playing at Doyle Field this year. Some of the narrative has been that, you know, some of those home runs might not have gone out at other parks, but some of them were no doubters. And also you have about half your home runs on the road as you do at home. So mentally, what is the adjustment like playing at Doyle versus then maybe going on the road to New Britain Stadium where it's 400 to center and there's a 16 foot wall? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's a good question. Uh, I'll tell you what, something my, my dad, when he coached me when I was always little was like, if we had like a big game coming up or something funky was going on he's like you bring all the, the guys together like 11 and bunch of 11 and 12 year olds say like all right guys how are we going to change our approach today and it was a trick question because the answer was not supposed to change your approach you don't change it at all um so uh it's it's nice to have a short porch yeah i think probably one or two wall scrapers we call them doyle bombs and uh those those are nice to to boost the stats a little bit but um, just because you're hitting that short porch, I mean, you can't get too big, of course. I mean, so maybe you keep that in the back of your mind, but um, at the end of the day, you just got to trust your swing and then uh, hopefully you can backspin a couple out of there. And from home runs into the game to the home run derby, you are easily one of the best in the league at the home run derby. Whenever the 10th inning ends, Worcester's calling Ben Rice's name. Do you adjust your swing at all during the derby? And what is it like being a part of that night in and night out? Yeah, no, I'm, I'll tell you what, honestly, I, I can't say I really adjust my swing too much because thankfully our BP guy, and I say this anytime someone asks me about it, uh, Tyler Kelly, he's our pitching coach, call him TK. He's, uh, he's absolute money when it comes to BP. So 
he puts it right in the sweet spot. You don't have to do too much, honestly. And especially, I mean, as you said, Doyle, I mean, it's only like 300 feet to right, something like that. So if you can just get a good swing on it, catch it a little bit out in front, um, it's going to go because he's going to put it right in your wheelhouse. And talk about TK for a minute. We talked to Dom a couple episodes ago, and he talked about Jack Aaron, who is his pitcher for the Derby. What is your relationship like with TK, and what's it like having him, as you said, throw balls right in the sweet spot for you? Oh, it's great. I've uh, Ever since, like, the second week of the season last year, uh, he's been the only guy who I hit BP off of. Um, so we usually do two groups. With, uh, D- Coach Dion will pitch to the first group, and he always pitches to the second group. And I've been with him for a long time now. And, uh, you know, every time, every time we hit, I'm just – honestly, like, even if we're <laughs> – even if we're just supposed to take regular swings, I'm just trying to hit as many home runs as I can with him because I know he's uh, he's gonna put it right there and help me catch a few sweet spots on the barrel. But uh, yeah, no, he's a uh, he's a pleasure to be around. He's a great coach and uh, even better BP. Well, whatever the relationship is like between you guys, it's clearly working and it's helped lead to a lot of wins that have helped you guys secure a spot as the number one seed heading into the championship series. Take me back to your home opener all the way back on July 11th. You guys were playing the Bs. You were up 3-0 going into the ninth. New Britain scored three in that inning. And then you single-handedly carried the team to victory in the Derby. After that, you guys rattled off seven of eight wins after starting off two and three, and you haven't looked back since. Talk us through that night, that energy that was there, having your teammates watch you in the Derby, and if you feel like that propelled you guys to really get on a good kick to start off the summer. Yeah, no, I mean, that, that, was, that was a really fun night. I, I remember that one pretty well. Um, it's funny, I, uh, I remember in the ninth, they, they scored a run, and I was, I was DH, and so I wasn't in the field, and I was talking to my teammate, Andrew Salima, and I was like, I made a joke or something, like they were going to tie it up or something like that, because we were, <laughs> I don't know, whatever. But they, they, and they ended up tying it up, and Salima was like, dude, like you just cursed us and now you're going to have to fix it in the Derby. <laughs> we ended up going to the Derby and it was, it was, uh, I'd never done something like that before. And I was a little nervous going into it. I remember I felt like I was swinging the bat harder than I ever had before. And <laughs> just cause I was like so jacked up, but uh, yeah, I remember that really well. And it was, it was so cool. Just, I just remember, especially just um, when, if you hit one and it was gone off the bat and if everyone knew, like the t- my teammates were just going wild and it was, it was just so fun. And the, the fans were great. We had a good crowd there that night. And, uh, yeah, the atmosphere was just unreal. And I was so happy that we were able to pull out a win like that. I remember I talked to you post game for an interview and was asking, did you even know what your total was or where you were at? And you're like, no idea. It was just going in there and trying to hit him out, but it, uh, it worked and it helped you guys secure the win. So now going into the championship series, looking ahead to this weekend, you guys have the benefit of some late season additions, including Matt Shaw, the reigning player of the week, who is raking. He is already tied for second in the league in home runs after coming in on August 7th, which is preposterous. (laughs) And you had Justin Murray, who had eight strikeouts and three innings last night on Tuesday. What kind of an impact do you think that those guys will have this weekend? And what kind of an energy and a motivation does it provide for you guys to see some new fresh faces in the locker room who are looking to make their impact on the team? Yeah, no, I mean, those, those two guys have been awesome right away. Big impact guys just right off the bat. And then, I mean, honestly, I'm just, I've, I've already said this to a few guys. I'm just thankful Matt Shaw only joined the team last week. So, <laughs> or else he'd be beating me in home runs by double digits. So. Uh, that, that kid's a freak, but he's been really fun to watch. And every time he's gotten up so far, I'm just like, oh, geez, he's going to hit another home run. Here we go. 
so he's uh, he's been he's been pretty electrifying to to see to see play the game. And then, uh, like I said, my teammate Justin Murray, he's he's from Dartmouth as well. He's living with me right now too. We work well together. We're, we're a battery back at school, so it's been fun to catch him. And that was awesome. He had a great performance last night with those eight Ks in a row. Um, and uh, that's when you know we're clicking. So we were on the same page with all the pitches, and, uh, and he was uh, he was hitting his spots and doing great. So the name of this podcast is Back to the Futures. We've been talking to a lot of players, coaches, executives who are returning to the league. That includes yourself. Talk about what kind of a difference you've seen between 2019 and this summer and how you've tried to pay it forward to some of the younger guys who are experiencing a summer in the Futures League for the first time. Yeah, I think with the, with the Bravehearts specifically, the biggest difference would have to be the fans. I mean, we do get fans because it's a public park out in Lemonster. But, uh, I mean, it doesn't really compare to a packed Holy Cross at uh, Hanover Insurance Park. Because uh, I remember last year, some of those sellout crowds, I mean, a bunch of there – there was one day where we had, like, all, like, the local public schools, like, take a field trip to, like, a, a morning game. And we had, like, a bunch of 11 and – 10 year olds singing like SpongeBob SquarePants, just blasting, <laughs> blasting the, like the crowd was just so loud and it was so fun. And I remember playing and I was like, wow, this is, so this is what summer ball is like. <laughs> but a lot of, a lot of kids, I mean, people don't have that experience. That's, that's not like a normal thing to have. Um, so, I mean, you kind of take it for granted a little bit, I guess. And it, it's tough. They, you know, I, you wish like all the returners just kind of wish like the new guys this year got to experience that um, on all cylinders. But, I think overall, that's that's been the biggest difference with, with no fans. I mean, even at like Campanelli or um, or at North Shore, uh, those guys they they're not letting any fans either. But at the end of the day, I mean, it's just you're just playing a game, and um, that's what we love to do. So we're we're gonna play it the right way, and we're gonna we're gonna uh, try and win some games. And last year, obviously, you won the championship. And a couple of weeks ago, you guys received your championship rings. What was it like holding that bling in your hand and showing it off to all your teammates and your family and what was it like to finally receive the memento for winning that 2019 championship? Oh, it was pretty cool. Yeah, I had I didn't really know what to expect. Uh, I remember some guys were looking at like what the ring looked like before we got them. I didn't want to. <laughs> I wanted to be surprised, and I and I really was. The thing's huge, big and blue. Some some nice little diamonds in there, <laughs> uh, and a big W on there. So uh, it, it's pretty cool. It fits fits pretty well too. I'm not I'm not really sure when I'll be wearing it, but. Uh, it'll, uh, it'll definitely sit on my dresser for a good while and be a, be a great, uh, great memory for me. Yeah. You can just walk around Dartmouth with that thing. Just on yeah, your no, I'll go, I'll go into my early morning classes with it. <laughs> and you talked about it a little bit, the esteemed organization that the Bravehearts are. We've had a number of personnel on this podcast say the same thing about the organization. What's it like to play for the Bravehearts? Oh, it's, it's, it's awesome. Yeah. They're, uh, they're second to none. I mean, there's no, there's no secret to how we've gone to the championship every year that they've, uh, they've been around. Um, and that, uh, goes all the way up to ownership, the credence. Um, they're fantastic. They, they do a great job. I mean, providing post-game meals or, um, I mean, even just giving like pre-game talks to us and, um, help just serving as motivation. And it goes all the way down to the players. I mean, our management too. I mean, they, they're great. They always keep us real relaxed um, and uh, just, just let us go play the game. And, uh, and then, then the fans, they're awesome too. Uh, and they, uh, they, they make it real fun to play for Worcester. Yeah, very loyal fan base and very great run organization as we've talked about many times. And Ben, you're from the South Shore just like myself. You're from Cohasset. I'm from Hingham. 
that's a pretty decent drive to Worcester. So my question to you is how did you end up on the Bravehearts and choose them over a team like maybe Brockton or North Shore, who's a little bit closer? Yeah, so um, I remember um, in my freshman fall at Dartmouth, I remember we, we, that was when we – I mean, right away when you get there, you got to figure out where you're going for summer, for summer ball because um, it's pretty competitive. I mean, guys are kind of off to the races to find a team. And uh, I knew I wanted to probably play in the Futures League just because there are obviously a bunch of New England teams and a few Massachusetts teams. I, I had Brockton definitely was, was in the back of my mind, and I didn't really know about Worcester at all. But my assistant coaches told me that Trevor Johnson, who's on, on the team this year again, they told me how, how great of an experience he had after his freshman year at Dartmouth playing for, for Worcester. And, uh, and, I, and I talked to Trevor about it too, and he said it was just – unbelievable and like like all the things we've already mentioned like the post-game meals the fans holy cross great great place to play yeah he just said that he had a great experience and he was pretty convincing so I was so I was all for the for the opportunity to go to Worcester and uh, once my coach told me that they were gonna offer me a spot I was like heck yeah man I'll do it and I ended up living with a host family actually last year but this year I'm not so I'm uh, I'm just I'm just commuting this year before we return to our interview with Ben Rice once again, we wanted to give a big shout-out and thanks to ChangeUp, one of the FCBL's cornerstone sponsors this season. As you may have learned during our recent Nesson broadcast, how cool was that, by the way? ChangeUp is a cutting-edge, player-centric pitch and performance management application. By comprehensively and accurately tracking pitch activity and capturing critical in-game performance data, ChangeUp helps baseball coaches protect their pitchers from overuse and helps players reach their full potential safely. We're a little over halfway through the 2020 season, and FCBL teams are already reaping the benefits of the changeup application, including the ability to keep college coaches informed on what and how their pitchers are doing here in the FCBL. Coaches and parents at all levels, Little League, AAU, high school, and the collegiate level, take notice. Changeup is the clear choice to ensure your pitchers aren't being thrown too much or too often and are getting proper rest. In addition, ChangeUp's analytics function helps coaches and players understand each pitcher's current performance thresholds and helps inform training protocols to get your players to the next level. The Futures League is bringing you tomorrow's baseball superstars today. ChangeUp is helping make sure those superstars travel safely and as far as possible on their personal baseball journeys. Are you ready to join the ChangeUp revolution? For more information, visit ChangeUp's website, www.changeup.io. That's www.change-up.io. Change up. Every pitch counts. We now return to our interview with Ben Rice. So transitioning from the FCBL to Dartmouth, what's it like to play at and study at a school that's as prestigious as Dartmouth? Um, yeah, I mean, you definitely get challenged there. Um, I mean, it's funny, like, when I got to Worcester, people were like, oh, like, so, you, so you're pretty smart. And I'm like, yeah, well, smart's a strong word, or, <laughs> or uh, yeah, I'm supposed to be, or something like that. But like I said, I mean, you get challenged. It's not all about, like, the school. It's more about balancing it with the athletics. And uh, I think I've, I've definitely gotten better at managing my time there, um, just comparing my freshman year to this past year. It was just a lot less stressful, I think, and uh, you get used to it, so... I think that's just the biggest adjustment, just being able to, to balance all the, the academics that are getting thrown at you and um, with, a, with a packed baseball schedule or whatever sport you might play. But, uh, yeah, I'm, de I'm definitely very thankful to be able to go to a, to a great college like that. 
And you play with a number of your teammates on your team. You mentioned Trevor Johnson and we mentioned Justin Murray earlier. What's it like to play with those guys in the summer as well as playing with them in the spring, especially after this year got canceled? Yeah, no, it's, it's been so fun. Uh, I remember I wasn't really like, like super close to Trevor before he got to the team last year. Um, and then uh, we, we became real good friends last summer and I was pumped to hear that he was going to uh, come back for another year this summer. Um, so it's been, it's been so fun to play with him. And then, uh, like I said, Justin, of course, I catch him all the time. He's in my class too. So I've been with him every step of the way at school and uh, we live with each other at school and now he's living with me here. So uh, definitely got some good chemistry in that battery going and uh, hoping, uh, hoping to get, get some good innings in, in the, the playoff series. So Owen just alluded to it. The Ivy League has been at the forefront of a lot of cancellations and taking extra precaution against coronavirus to protect their athletes. They were the first conference to cancel in the spring when everything went down in March. How did you find out and how did you receive that news? Um, I remember we originally heard that our spring trip was going to get canceled and we thought that made kind of made sense. We're like, all right, like, we kind of saw that one coming, but there's no way they cancel the season, right? But we kind of, like, we, then we started seeing, like, different emails about foreign programs, like, and study away programs getting, getting canceled, and we were like, oh, boy. And then we did eventually get the email. I can't remember exactly when it was that all spring athletics were, were canceled. And like you said, I mean, we were the first ones to go, I think, in Division One. Because I remember the Nezcacs, they, they canceled right before us. And it was, I mean, we were, we were shocked at the time. We, we were wondering if we were going to be the only guys to cancel because it seemed like everyone else was just kind of going, going about their business like normal. So, I mean, we were definitely heartbroken for all the seniors and, and, and those guys who got their, their season taken away. And um, we're obviously, like any other team, we're a real close group. So it was tough to get it uh, taken away from us like that without, without any notice. Uh, but I think, I think everyone's going to bounce back pretty well. So we're all good. And speaking of bouncing back, everyone's preparing to make the transition of going back to school. The conference has also canceled athletics through the fall season. So any news on what going back to school is going to be like, if it's going to be hybrid, all online, living situation, prep for the spring already, just walk us through what that's looking like for you. Yeah, so as of now, it looks like I'll be taking online classes in the fall. Um, so I don't, I mean, there's no need for me to be there. There's a, I mean, I could give you the whole spiel on what, it, what it's going to be like, but there's, it's just pretty complicated at this point. Still, there's like all these rules about how many people can be on campus and we do three terms a year. So you can only be on, on campus for two out of the three terms and you might not be able to get two out of three terms because certain classes have priority. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot of things that are still up in the air. So we're just hoping that uh, we can get some more information before the winter because that's when we gotta that's when we gotta get going on practicing and stuff. We can live without a fall for baseball, but obviously need that winter and spring to to go like normal. Yeah, we're hoping that that gets back up. Very important to have those spring sports for sure. And back to the diamond, where were you at when your season was unfortunately cut short, and what strides were you looking to make during your sophomore season? Um, yeah, so I mean, I was just with my teammates um, when we found out that it ended. I think I was just at home or something or maybe in a locker room. But um, anyways, yeah, like so sophomore year, I mean, I was, I was coming off a pretty good summer last year. Um, so was just hoping to try and stay consistent. I mean, we, were, we had some, some good teams on our schedule at the beginning of the year. We only got seven games in. So 
I mean, either way, you're only getting a handful of at-bats at the beginning of the year, so it's, it's tough to worry about numbers and things like that. Uh, you're just kind of hoping your team gets off to a good start. And then we had finals. We had final exams the, the weekend after our series against UVA. So almost, it's almost as if we got another few games taken away from us. But, yeah, I mean, it was, I, I, th- I thought the team was going to be in good shape this year, and I was, I was really excited getting to, to Ivy play. And, um, I mean, that's, that's the goal of the year is to, is to win your Ivy championship so you can go to that regional. Um, but, unfortunately, I mean, just like everybody else, that, that wasn't going to be the case for us this year. So hopefully we have the season uh, as planned this upcoming spring, and, uh, and hopefully it all works out. Yeah, 100%. And we've talked about your offense plenty, but let's talk about your defense behind the plate. At Dartmouth, you threw out seven of 13 runners attempting to steal bases during your freshman year. How do you value your play behind the plate? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, that's got to be the most important part of your, of your game, right? So especially as a catcher, you're one of the most important positions on the field. Uh, and I, I definitely uh, take a lot of pride in my defense, um, and I'm always trying to get better at it. And uh, I'm thankful that a position to catcher, there's always so much more that you can work on. And that's a big part of what I wanted to get better at this summer too, um, especially like things like blocking. I mean, I'm, I'm obsessed with watching videos on like receiving and presenting pitches to umpires, stealing strikes for your pitchers, things like that. And one, one big thing about being a catcher is just making sure you're really mobile back there too. Um, you know, it's nice to have a, a good arm or something and throw some runners out, but I remember my freshman year, my coach was, was, was telling me how stiff I looked back there. Uh, and he was trying to get me to do like yoga and stuff. And I actually have, and it's, it's, it's helped a lot. So yeah. And like I said, always plenty of things to, to get better at, especially from a, from a catching standpoint. We've been asking this to a lot of players who are behind the dish defensively, who are also pretty talented on offense. Do you feel like that helps you in any capacity, whether it's, feeling out a pitcher's sequences or knowing what he's going to throw on certain counts. And then also how do you try to call those games for your pitchers when you're behind the dish? Yeah, no, there, I mean, there, there are so many mind games um, when it, when it comes to catching and then being a, a hitter who's a catcher. Um, I think it definitely does help a little bit. Um, and, and sometimes you can, you can pretty much just pick out what, what you think he's going to throw. Um, just based on what he threw you the last couple of bats or um, how you've looked taking certain pitches or swinging at certain pitches. So I, I think I've definitely benefited from that a little bit. I remember like sometimes just stepping out of the box and trying to get in my catcher mindset and be like, all right, like what would I throw to myself here? Um, and, it, and it's definitely helped. So, and then back to the, to that mental game standpoint, it's like this year I've, I've tried to like, so I think college hitters are, are, I mean, they're really smart. So they'll, they'll, they'll even think like catchers too and be like, all right, well, I can kind of predict what he's going to throw here. Like he just showed me a curveball for a strike and then it was all one. And then he threw two fastballs that missed for two one. Like he's got to be going back to that curveball, Right. So like, I, I kind of try and think like that and then just completely try and reverse it sometimes. So I'm like, all right, well, how about another fastball? And then you'll see some guys kind of get blown up or be really late or definitely look like they're guessing on a pitch and, and, and or like take one right down the middle. So I, I definitely try to always keep hitters guessing and uh, I don't want anyone to be comfortable in the box. And you can, I mean, you can definitely tell when guys are guessing what pitch is coming. So uh, hopefully they, they, uh, they guess wrong and hopefully I can uh, fool them. But other than that, yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's definitely fun to call a game. So speaking of guessing what pitches are coming, I got, I got to ask you this as a catcher. Earlier this week in the MLB, Fernando Tatis Jr. of the Padres swung at a 3-0 pitch and hit a grand slam, and 
the baseball world's going a little nuts about this, the whole unwritten rules. As a catcher, and I guess as a hitter too, are you swinging at a 3-0 pitch if it's, if it's in your sweet spot? Um, yeah, I mean, like, I've always, I, I've always told myself, like, oh, like, yeah, maybe I should swing at this 3-0. But then I, like, get these thoughts in my mind as the pitch is coming in, like, oh, what if I ground out on the 3-0 pitch? Then I'll look like an idiot. So I, I haven't swung at any 3-0 pitches this year. I definitely have in my career. And, I mean, obviously, I mean, 99 times out of 100, you're going to get a fastball. But I, I mean, I have no real issue with with Tatis doing that. I mean, there, I think like people just on like Twitter, social media, were reacting right away, like pitchers saying, like, "Hey, well, I mean, if you don't want him to do that, don't just groove one right down the middle with the best hitter in the game right now." I, I yeah, I don't see an issue with getting the green light there. Yeah, certainly interesting thing that has uh, sent baseball Twitter into a tizzy in the last couple of days. Interesting to get your thoughts on that. So transitioning back once again, let's go back a little further. You lettered three times in baseball and you also played hockey and lettered four times in that sport at Nobles, your high school. What was it like being a two sport athlete there and being so successful in both? Yeah, no, it it was a blast. I mean, I've always, I mean, growing up when I was really little, like, I mean, hockey was always my favorite sport and um, I I still love hockey this day. So uh, it it was a blast to go to such a great, great high school out there. Um, and, uh, and be able to play two sports, had some great teammates, two really successful programs that have sent a lot of players on to play at, uh, play at the college level and beyond. So uh, it, it, was, it, was, it was a great, great experience for me. And, I mean, they just got awesome athletics there. And uh, I was uh, pretty blessed to be a part of it. Your dad was a pitcher at Brown, so baseball runs in the family. What is it like to have your dad around you during your baseball career? And what was the most impactful thing that he's taught you in your baseball career? Oh yeah. I mean, I, I hit BP with my dad literally every day, unless it's just pouring rain. I'll probably go hit BP with him right after we finish this episode. And uh, I'd say, I mean, the most beneficial thing that I think we've, we've done only kind of recently relatively um, is that, I mean, as you said, he's a pitcher. So uh, in our BP rounds, it's never ever just going to be all feel good swings and a bunch of fastballs. He actually, uh, he'll, he'll mix in some off speed too. And, uh, just keep it completely random. So I, I think uh, my, my hitting coach at Dartmouth has also talked about this, Connor Burke. He's, he's mentioned that baseball is the only sport really where, I mean, hitting-wise especially, that the practice is meant to be, like, more comfortable than the game. And it's like, why is that? Why, why would you want to be more comfortable in your practice setting than the game? Wouldn't you want it to be opposite and then feel like, just absolute money in the box in a real game. So I think I really liked that approach. So, um, and what we've been doing, I mean, just completely trying to keep me off balance in my EP rounds and my dad, he, he gets me to swing and miss sometimes. And <laughs> he's, uh, he, he's still got his stuff. So he's got a nice little 12, six and a good circle change up. Uh, and then he'll, he'll, he'll bust me inside too. He's not afraid to brush me off the plate a little bit. So that's, that's, yeah, he's, uh, he's thrown to me my whole life. And, uh, I uh, couldn't be more thankful for, for such a great BP thrower. Well, one of the big themes of this podcast early on was asking guys what adjustments they had to make to their workouts or to their regimens. That's awesome that you had that consistency and right in the household to have him be able to throw you BP and kind of stay locked in. So uh, we were scouring through your personal page at Dartmouth, reading all the stats and everything. It says in your bio that you really enjoy playing video games. <laughs> what are you playing these days? I, uh, I'll tell you what, I got, I got asked that question on the Worcester Bravehearts uh, podcast thing too. And uh, I'll tell you what, I think uh, 
I, I filled like a questionnaire out my, my junior year of high school or sophomore year of high school, just cause I was like interested in a bunch of schools, obviously. Uh, and I, they put down hobbies like that I got to give. And I was like, Oh God, I got to come up with something here. So I put down video games. Um, I'm not, I definitely don't consider myself to be like a gamer or whatever, but I mean, yeah, I'll, I'll play uh, like Fortnite or I mean, Call of Duty, things like that. I used to play NHL a lot. Um, to be honest, I haven't touched my Xbox all, all summer, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I'm, I, uh, I definitely like video games. They're not wrong. They're, I enjoy playing video games. I don't know why it's in my bio is like a defining <laughs> characteristic, but uh, yeah, I've definitely, definitely gotten some, some good chirps on that one. So if you had to fill out that questionnaire once again, knowing how much publicity and how much media attention would be drawn to it, what would Ben Rice put for what hobbies he's investing his time in when he's not on the diamond? Ooh, um, I'd say like just any, like, I mean, like this is boring, I guess, like just like pick up basketball or I mean, any, any pickup kind of sport, like, I mean, wiffle ball, that's basically baseball too, but yeah, like, I mean, going for, for jogs or whatever, or doing anything, like anything active, I'm all for that. So I uh, love going to the beach too, maybe a little fishing here and there. Uh, but yeah, that, that's about it for me. So speaking of pickup basketball, you guys have a ton of hoops talent on your roster in Worcester. Do you ever play pickup with those guys? Like I've talked to Rob Papasian and he's mentioned that if it's in a rain delay or if it's tied, they should just settle the game with a three on three basketball tournament, let you guys do your thing. <laughs> Yeah, I'll tell you what, I, I don't think I'd be in the starting lineup for a 3v3 tournament to decide the game, that's for sure. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I, I do know, I think I, I've heard that we got some ballers on our team. So like John, Johnny West, that kid's huge. I don't know how you, how you guard him. So yeah, that, there, there's always, I, we haven't played any pickup this year, but there's, there's always a lot of trash talk going on about who would win, like pitchers versus position players and stuff like that. I'd be interested to see how, how it would turn out if we ended up actually getting a game in. Yeah, so would we. So let us know how that turns out. <laughs> and how about a message to Bravehearts fans as we enter into the Futures League Championship Series starting on release day? Yeah, I mean, I guess the message to the fans would just be, uh, hope you guys can come on out to Nashua. I mean, you guys travel really well and uh, roll hearts, the Creedon Bowl. We're, we're excited. Uh, so hope to see you guys all out there. We're so excited. Once again, game one, Thursday night on release day, August 20th at 7 p.m. Game two, Friday at 6. And game three, if it's a winner take all, if necessary, Saturday at 6. So super excited. I'm sure we'll see a ton of Bravehearts fans, Silver Knights fans. will be there. It's the conclusion of an awesome season that we're so grateful that we've had a chance to play. So really looking forward to it. So, Ben, this has been awesome so far. We got one final segment for you. It's called Quick Hits. It's presented by Zephyr, the official on-field hat of the Futures League. Zephyr, high quality and innovative designs since 1993. So we have a couple more questions for you for our audience to help to get to know you a little bit better. Is that cool with you? Absolutely. Fire away. Let's do it. Favorite teammate that you've played with in the Futures League? Uh, I'm going to go with Nick Martin. That kid is absolutely electric to play with. I, I call him uh, Scrappy Doo. So, because he's, he's the scrappiest, grittiest player I ever, I ever, ever played with. No batting gloves. Never seen him without dirt on his jersey. So, uh, he's an absolute pleasure to be around. Love playing with him. We've had some great nicknames. That might be one of the top ones we've heard. Dolan O'Castle said his nickname was Dirt, but Scrappy Doo just got a certain <laughs> ring to it. A lot of people have said Hanover Insurance Park for their favorite opposing FCBL ballpark. How about for you? What's your favorite place to play at on the road? 
Oh, it's a long drive, but this year I'd say New Britain. That place is really fun. I, I wish we got to experience it with like a, a, a full crowd. They got, they got some good hecklers too. So it's, uh, it's been really fun to play there. And obviously, I mean, the, the, the field is just top notch alone, but to get some good, a good crowd there would be really cool. Yeah, we're hoping that next year when hopefully parks can open at capacity, if you're back in the league, whatever shakes out, or even just get a chance to go there for the game, it's, uh, it's really a cool atmosphere, and it's been awesome for myself, who's local to that area, to be there for quite a few games this year. Um, how about walk-up music that you're trotting out to, whether at Worcester or up at school at Dartmouth? Yeah, so uh, we're, we're, we're pretty old school up at Dartmouth. We don't do any walk-up songs. So I, I, was, I was really excited to get a walk-up song. We didn't do it in high school either, so I'd never had a walk-up song until getting to Worcester last summer. Uh, and I went with Good Life by Kanye West. Uh, I really like that song, so gets into it right away. Had it last year and then stuck with it this year because I'm crazy superstitious. All right, well, uh, we'll get to that question a little bit. Excited to hear about whatever you're willing to reveal on that front. Favorite big league team? Oh, I got to go with the Sox, Boston Red Sox. Oh, and I always love to hear that answer. Uh, favorite player, whether it's current or historical, in the big leagues? Um, I'd say, I mean, I love watching Mookie Betts play. And unfortunately, he's not with the Sox anymore. And then, I mean, honestly, I'm a Sox fan. But ever since I was little, I always had a poster of Derek Jeter up in my, uh, up in my bedroom. Um, for whatever reason, when I was little, I loved watching him play. So um, he's up there, too. Well, I guess we've been on a streak of uh, opposing rivals shortstops. Don't want O'Castle. Big Yankees fan said he loves Pedroia. So we're going to have to accept it. But um, great player by any stretch. How about a bat and a glove that you use? I guess both catching and fielding. Just, you know, what equipment are you using when you're out there? Yeah, um, so I've, I've only had like two catcher's gloves my whole life, uh, <laughs> which is, I guess, a good and a bad thing. One I have is becoming somewhat of a pancake now. Uh, but I use uh, an, an all-star, it's all black. I think it's like a CM3000 or something. Um, that's their like top glove or something. I, I've, got, I've had that ever since uh, sophomore year of high school. So love that, love that glove. And then uh, for, for my bat, for wood, I always use uh, Maple, Louisville Slugger, C271s. I'm all about that. I've been loyal to them for, for a bunch of years now. But I've broken a lot of them this summer, so. I don't know. Maybe maybe it'll be time to switch it up soon. <laughs> and then, what brand of cleats do you wear? Oh, uh, we uh, we go Nike at school, so I just wear the ones they give us. And uh, yeah, they're they're not flashy or anything. They're just plain plain black with a white swoosh. But they're they're pretty nice. So um, I'll just take whatever they give me. And then you told us about Nick Martin's nickname. How about a nickname that you've been you've been given over the years? Yeah, nicknames. Ooh, so many. I mean, obviously ricey anything like that ricer it's funny in hockey in hockey i was always ricer but baseball i was always ricey so i don't i don't know if that's just like a hockey culture thing where you end it with an r instead i think that is a, a little bit a little bit of something there but um yeah i mean then you can go i mean anything that makes my name into like a different rice dish like rice pilaf or dirty rice is a pretty funny one or rice krispies Anything like uh, anything like that. One one funny one I'd never heard last year was guys were calling me were calling me Jesus Rice. Uh, so I don't I don't know how they came up with that one. Obviously, I mean uh, it, it was pretty funny, and I still get that one every now and then with the Worcester guys. And uh, but but yeah, definitely a lot to choose from with with my last name. And we have arrived at the superstition question. Tell us about those superstitions. 
Yeah, no, I got, I got way too many. It's, it's not healthy. I'll tell you what, if, uh, and it's, if, if I want to generalize it a little bit, it would be that like, if I had a good day at the plate or, or catching or anything, I will like literally try to reproduce every aspect of that day from the moment I get up, whether it's, I mean, what I had to eat in the morning to like the order in which I did things like stretched in the morning or like rolled out or what I did for like a light workout that day um and then i mean just anything leading up to the game all that um and then things that always are constant would be like i and this is honestly just probably pretty annoying for my for my teammates to have to deal with but all my stuff is laid out and on the bench in the same exact way i got like my batting gloves laid out face up with the bat in between and the helmet uh probably takes up too much room on the bench for guys to not be able to sit down and stuff but I got to do it or else I'll go crazy. Do the same amount of swipes with the pine tar stick that I have every time. Same routine walking up to the plate, couple arm circles, different things like couple check swings and then all this different stuff that I do before I get up to bat. Um, so there, there, there's, there's plenty. I, I mean, I could go on forever, but th those are a few. That's fantastic. And if your teammates don't understand the superstitions, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> Yeah, no, they works. I swear. <laughs> and let's talk about your numbers. You were number 16 in Worcester and you were number nine at Dartmouth. Any reason for those numbers? Um, 16, they just gave to me last year. So, and then once I found out that I was going to be on the Brave Hearts again, they just gave me 16 again. I didn't even ask for it again, but uh, so 16. Yeah. I mean, I don't mind that number at all. I think it's pretty good. I had some decent success with it too. So it's been, it's been great. Uh, and then number nine, I had number nine in high school and I didn't choose that either. I didn't choose number nine, but at the end of high school, I remember we got all the incoming freshmen at Dartmouth got an email with the available numbers for next year. Um, and I'd never responded to an email so quickly because I wanted to stick with number nine. So number nine was fortunately one of like the six or seven numbers they had left. And I responded in like two minutes and asked for it. So uh, it's a good one. That's good that you're quick on email. <laughs> and then bubblegum or sunflower seeds? Ooh, probably bubblegum, but I'm like pretty boring. I don't know. I, I like just like regular mint gum. At school, I literally always have gum in my mouth. I'm always chewing gum. Uh, but like if we were going like baseball brands, I'd, all, I'd probably just go double bubble. I, I like that. Just chewing that during a game. Nothing wrong with that. And finally, how about a favorite all-time baseball memory? I would say... I mean, you could go with winning the championship last year. That was absolute blast because that summer was just so fun. We had such a great group of guys um, getting to go on that dog pile at the end. That, that was just so fun. And then, like, I mean, you could go all the way back to, like, Little League, too. We won a couple tournaments. Those were, those were, those were always so fun. There was one day where we didn't, we didn't win it at the end. We got to the finals of this tournament down, down in Sandwich, and we lost. But it was, it was so awesome. It was so fun because we played like five games that day or something crazy because we were like a lower seed going into it. And we were, we, were, we were just going crazy. We were winning all these games, these close games, made some great plays. Uh, and uh, it, was, it was just a blast. I had a lot, a lot of great Little League memories. But I'd say winning the title with Worcester is definitely up there. Well, in a couple days, we will find out if you guys are successful in that mission to defend your title or not. We are so excited to see what's in store. Once again, the 2020 Futures League Championship Series coming up starting on release day, Thursday, August 20th. The Worcester Bravehearts taking on the Nashua Silver Knights. Ben, 
Thank you so much for joining us today. An outstanding summer so far. Best of luck this weekend. We're really excited to be up at home and see you in action. Yeah, no, thank you guys for having me. You guys are doing a great job. Thank you, man. Appreciate the kind words as always. Yourself as well. Uh, this has been episode 25 of Back to the Futures, the official podcast of the Futures Collegiate Baseball League. We have new episodes coming out every Monday and Thursday. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast. We're streaming on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and YouTube. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see everyone soon.